This is Brett Barish, CEO of Sovereign Brands, and you're listening to Self Made. Oh, yeah. Yup. You look good. I like that. Hell uh, yeah. What's up, bro? Look, I put on my Boston hat just for you. It's a good joint. That's a good joint right there. I'll hook you up with this one. It doesn't say Bel Air, it says our other brand, Vion, but I'll hook you up with this one, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good colors. So first, what do you think of the space? Oh no, I love it. I, I feel like the space made me like Bel Air way more in general because of how creative it is. You know, I bust a champagne bottle in the bathroom, all type of craziness going on. So yeah, it's, it's a dope space. It's, it's a creative spot, man. It's a what I call it is a, a living space, meaning meaning it'll never stop growing. It'll never stop evolving. Yeah. So, when you have a chance, you got to visit us in Atlanta next, all right? All right. ATL next. So, Millie, so I start out the same with everybody, and everybody includes Post Malone and Khaled and, and Young Thug and Gierbo, who you know, and Dave East, who you know, Nipsey. Um, I ask everybody the same question. What does self-made mean to you? Self-made um, means that, you know, you got it out of the mud. You, you, you took accountability and responsibility for your own life. You went out and did it by yourself. And then, you know, I feel like at the same time, nobody's all the way self-made because we're God-made. But apart from that, you know, being self-made as a human is just taking that accountability for yourself, rising up to the challenge every day, going out there and, and making it happen for yourself. You know, no, no handouts no silver spoon, you know, taking the stairs, not the elevator, things like that. When you look back, because we're jumping ahead, but when you look back on your career, do you think the concept is self-made has changed in that kind of where you started and where you ended are two completely different places? Yeah. Well, I feel that like through the course of my career, I always felt that it was going to take somebody else to actually help me. Yeah. And I actually used to cater my career more towards the industry yep. and say, well, if I do this, this, and this, maybe somebody will come save me. Somebody will reach a hand out and pull me up. But as soon as I abandoned that train of thought and started just deciding, I'm gonna just make it happen without somebody lifting me up. I'm gonna fight, scratch, claw my way up and not look for a hand. And as soon as I started doing that, that's when I really became self-made because I said, I don't care if the industry never reaches out to me. I got my fans and my core and I'm gonna just stay like that and rock like that. So yeah, the definition of self-made definitely changed over time because now it's like independence. It's, it's gonna be, I think somebody said the other day, this will be the first ever where independents are wealthy. You know, you, you really find like wealthy independent rappers and um. <laughs> Didn't, cause, but I can relate to that in the sense that I can completely relate to that and, and the idea being you just felt like you, you were constantly waiting for something else to happen and waiting for, to put your hands in someone else's hands. And once you let that go and said, fuck it, I got to go do it, then everything changes. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's that's really it. Like. When you say fuck it and, and, and I'm just going to take my course, that's, that's when everything changes for you, I think. Was there, was there a, 
I remember my moments. Was there a moment for you where that happened, where you're like, fuck it, I gotta stop this. I gotta change something. I gotta do something different. Pardon. I'll say it again. Was, uh, for me, there were moments. And what, was there a moment for you where you said, fuck it, I gotta stop it. I gotta stop, I gotta stop waiting. I gotta stop catering. I gotta start trusting my instinct and go. Was there a moment? Yeah, definitely. I think around the, the time of the pandemic, like everything slowed down and I just realized like, all right, this is, this is the time I really gotta lock in and show people my tech. That was the first time where I felt like it was an even playing field with the industry because before like a rapper could get hot from going to a party with Kylie Jenner or like, whatever it is, all these outside antics, but now it was like song for song, music video for music video. And I felt I could compete in that space. And I went out and I made like real life music that connected with people. And that was kind of the moment when I said, fuck it. Like, I'm just gonna keep running my same play and you know, see what it does for real. Uh, did the music change for you at all? If you're not catering to the label, if you're not catering to other people, if you're not, did, it, did that change too? No, 100%. Um, what it was, was I found one song, like I, I dropped the album Blanco 3, and I found this one song that was called Height and Senses, and people like really reacted to that song. And I realized, oh, I can do that in my sleep. And uh, that was the actual preferable music that I like to make, but before I was trying to cater to everybody. But once I realized the preferable music that I like to make was working, that's when I just doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down on that and and went and I realized oh I could actually make a living off of this shit that the purest form of music that I can make which is like pain music emotional but intricate raps you know so yeah definitely it, was it a surprise the sense of I mean that's a, in some ways it's a relief because Jesus I can do what I want I can do what I like I can I can show every and, and you know what they're gonna follow me based on this yeah, no, that, that was the biggest relief in my life, Brett. That was the biggest relief in my life. When people responded to, to my favorite type of music that I like making, I instantly went in the studio and I created, you know, Blanco 4 and then Blanco 5, and I kept just expounding on the sound and getting better at it and better at it. And that's what really took me all the way there. So I got records that's, that people sing, you know, all across the country, we sold out London twice. They sing it word for word, you know, just incredible shit that before I used to think you needed to make a certain type of music, like, you know, club music or something else. But now you could be your authentic self and, and, and cut through, you know? So what does that tell you about all the people that like the music? What do they have in common with what you're now, what you're now singing? You know what I mean? I mean, I think it's just, uh, you know, I'm an empath, so I got like, like I, I got strong empathy. I could feel other people's pain. And um, I, I know how to relate my pain too. So I feel like at the core of everybody, there's some sort of pain that, that you know, people have that um, makes them gravitate and listen to the music. Cause I listen to my, I make my music as therapy and I also listen to my music as therapy. You know, it's, it's a very therapeutic process. So, so I think it's helping people like that. So I have a, my wife's an artist. I'm gonna ask you the same thing that, that I always ask her. Uh, when she's happy, 
her art is different. When she's sad, her art is different. Which which music do you like? When you're happy or when you're sad? Do you know what I mean? Well, I write sad music when I'm happy. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I've always been able to kind of like bottle, like bottle up a, an emotion. I feel the pain, I, whatever I'm going through, the sadness, the joy, whatever the emotion is, joy, sadness, you know, everything in between. I know how to bottle it up, put it in my pocket and bring it out later. So it's kind of like a lot of the times when I'm actually happy, my creative is flowing. That's what makes me happy, just my creative flowing. So when I'm actually happy, sometimes I, I pull out that, that pain and I'm able to write about it in a, in a clear state of mind. Oh, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. No, no, no. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. You made me think different. So when, when I think of self-made, and the reason I started this is I think it, it, whenever I talk to someone famous, you never know the shit that they went through. You always assume they were all, it was easy. They've always been famous. They, for, I, I've had my struggles. What, what, give, me, give me one struggle. Give me one struggle that you went through to get where you are. I mean, everything, bro. It felt like an uphill battle on roller skates, you know? Um, just being shut down constantly. I went 10 years rapping as hard as I could without any, uh, you know, major label interest. No one ever reached out. Uh, dealing with rejection constantly, just, just constant rejection. And uh, I guess, one of the failures, you know, one of my failures turned into a win. I actually used to wait outside of the BET Cypher for, for years because I knew a cameraman there. So he would give me the location. I'd pull up to the BET Cypher and I'd sit there and I just hoped that maybe they let me in one day. And I sat there one year for three days straight from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., 9 a.m., 9 p.m. The next year I came back, did that three days straight again. The next year I came back in 2016 and somebody actually didn't show up and then I rapped for BT and they put me on national TV and I let off the cyber. So, you know, I had to fail and fail and fail and fail to get a big win. So, but it's been a million failures. No, no. Like they, they see the successes, but it's like, you know, I fail every day. You, you don't see, and you don't see that other side. And even when there's good days, you've got bad days. Yeah. So wh why not stop? Why didn't you stop? I got some sort of crazy delusional drive to me. You know, I, I, I thanked myself the other day. I, I thanked God the other day and I, I thanked myself for, for being so dumb and believing that this could actually be a reality and that you could make millions of dollars off of rap music and, and live and, and bring, you know, all, all of my friends are guys that are, that they were incarcerated for years and I got them around me like doing the right thing, rehabilitated through music and like I've just my whole situation just did a 180 and I really just was delusional about it the whole time like there was no rejection that could get to me you know what I mean it just it just inspired me like on the summer, but I was always like that like if a girl didn't like me at the time you know I'd say well she'll like me in the future if fans didn't like me at the time, they'll like me in the future you know I, I I'm just going to be persistent about you know, my craft and what I'm doing and it'll work out for me, so. What, do you ever get down? Do you ever get, does anything ever kind of bring you down? 
hell yeah, I'm super high or low. Like just now in my life, I've started working on balance, but I'm super high or low. Like sometimes I'm, I'm up here, like I'm an ecstatic personality type. So when I'm happy, I'm ecstatic. And when I'm low, I'm low. But I've been trying to keep it a little more balanced out now. You know what I mean? So, so Rhapsody, uh, who I love, I interviewed, and Rhapsody told me this story where she said, Brett, if I could just, I realized if I could just have enough money to get to the studio, I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy. Is that your feeling when it comes to music? That is, but I wouldn't, I, I can't lie and say that I don't have bigger aspirations yep. now. At one point, it was just to strictly live off music. I was waking up and I was saying, well, I don't have a regular job, so this is a win. You know, because I've worked all the regular jobs. I worked as a trash man. I worked as a dishwasher. I worked as a landscaper. I cut my thumb off. I did everything. I've done bad activities. You know what I mean? I've done, I've done everything. Um, so just to be a pure artist, like that was definitely a win. But now I got people to take care of. Like, it's a lot, it's a lot bigger than me. So I'm happy with just being able to have money to go to the studio and being able to be a rapper. But I also have, you know, legacy aspirations. Um... Who was, give me two people if they're still there who have been supporting you since day one. Man, um, I would say my man Kreez, he was, uh, he was young in the neighborhood. Like when I just started rapping, he was, um, he was somebody who would, who would go to bat for me all the time. You know how like boxers have a, have a coach and yep. even when you haven't won, you haven't won one fight, but they go, come on champ, yep. come on champ. They keep calling you champ. It was like, he kept calling me champ. And, you know, eventually you start to adapt that mindset and believe that. So he kept calling me champ and, and basically just championing me. And he really helped me out. So he was always there. And then my mother, my mother also believed too. She really believed more because my mother always saw me being like, you know, getting arrested, like going through trials and tribulations. But once she saw me in a newspaper, because she saw me in a newspaper for something else before she saw me for rap, but once I was in a newspaper for rap, like that's when it was clear to her and her friends was like, your son is in the Boston Globe, you know what I mean? So it started going from, from, from there where she really believed fully. Um, but yeah, those two people definitely was there from the start, the very inception. <laughs> How did music become your passion? When did it start? Early, um, early like, five, six, seven years old. I'm like, you ever saw the, the video where the baby cries when they play at the music? It's like a, a nine month old baby or something. I don't know, it's, it's, a young, it's a young child and it'll cry every time. Matter of fact, it cries every time his mom hits like a certain yeah. note in the music. Yeah. I'm like that for music. Like I can't cry without music. You know, it's just like, like a release to me. It's like the music, it's a spiritual thing with me. It just always, always been there. I always used to, whatever song would come on the radio, I would start rapping my own stuff over it. If I'm in the elevator hearing elevator music, I would start rapping over it, seeing if I could rap to that. Like any type of music I would hear, whether when I'm in school all day, we just banging on the desks, rapping. So it was, I was always just super musically inclined. And I would pick up on songs faster. Like I would pick up on, uh, 
if there was a song on the radio, I would know it by the third, fourth listen, like fully though. I would know the ad libs, I would know the harmonies, everything. It, um, who were who were the names that were inspiring to you back early on? And like really, really early on, like Biggie, Tupac, Eminem, Jay-Z, Nas, The Locks, Mob Deep, um, you know, uh, DMX. And uh, like a little after that, like Lil Wayne, um, Nipsey, um, you know, a, a, a lot of different artists. It is, it, when you think of today, and if you need motivation, what do you listen to? Um, when I, when I need motivation, some, sometimes I listen to like, you know, old Nipsey Hussle, uh, I still go back to like Tupac, some certain Eminem cuts, but I listen to myself too. So with Nipsey, I, I told you this story that, uh, when I interviewed Nip, he was amazing. He was, he, he was amazing. We had a, probably a better talk off camera than on. Um, but he told me on, he said, Brett, uh, and his self-made was, you know, I had to go pop my trunk. And I said, Nip, what does it mean? He says, you know, I would, I would just put my shit in the trunk. You got to go to the corner and just start selling it. I didn't yeah. care. I didn't care how it made me look. I didn't care how it made me feel. You just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Can you relate to that? 100 million thousand percent. Because when I was coming up, you know, uh, when I first started out, CDs were still a thing. So I used to stop my, I used to go in, in, in like Boston, the clubs end at 2 a.m. It's called the let out and everybody lets out at once. So I used to drive to the let out and I used to put the car in park and basically create a traffic jam and go hand, I would hop out of my car at the red light and just hand a CD to each car. And people would be complaining, what are you doing, move your car? It doesn't matter, here, take the CD, take the CD. I'd pass it to like 16 cars, get out, spin the block, do it again. And, um, you know, I'd pass CDs, people would throw them on the ground sometimes, not in front of me, but like when I'd come back, I'd put the CD back together, pass it to somebody. So I was always on that. Like, you know, that, that birthed, um, that birthed some of the more independent hustler sides of me. Do, do you think that, does that come from kind of, as you put it, the naive side, or does it come from uh, watching other people do it and I can do, I can do this too, or a little of both? Yeah, like I was always a student, so I studied and I knew that there was like a big independent hustle going on, but it was kind of like, I'm not going to lie, there weren't too many people doing that, you know, from where I was coming from. That was my own, that was my own strategy right there. So how does Jada Kiss come in for you? So I met Jada in, in around like 2015, I was back and forth to New York. From, from South Station in Boston to Port Authority in New York on the bus, $15 bus, back and forth all the time. Um, and I knew this guy named Seth Free, who really believed in me, you know, at the time still does. And he knew Jada, so he actually linked us up to do a song. And that's like right around the time I was moving to New York. So once I moved to New York, I already had a, a feature with Jada. So now I'm seeing him on all these flyers and different things like that to different clubs, pop-ups, whatever. And, you know, I just know that you got to get FaceTime with people. So I would just pull up on them and just try to build the relationship. And eventually, you know, it, it, it flourished into what, what is it is, man. What is, if, if I asked him, what would he say he sees in you? I think Kiss actually liked me for like, he liked the fact that I could sing and rap. 
you got the talent. You could do both. Yeah, he liked that I can sing and rap because it's like you know. I mean, for people who for people who know rap, it's not too many. Uh, you know, you might have certain people ranked above me. It's all opinion, but every I I really don't run into anybody who says I can't rap. Like I just don't run into that. You know what I mean? But there's being a high level rapper, but the, the twist to it is that I can sing too. So I'm saying I rap my own verses and I sing my own hooks. You what know? did you learn from him? Man, I learned uh, just to build your foundation on concrete and not sand. You know what I mean? He he has a, a foundation that's built on concrete. It's immovable. Um, some people's foundation is built on sand, and when that wave comes, you you know it's over. So, so I'm I'm gonna ask you about two other names just because uh, we have them in common. Davies. What 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 did you, did you learn anything from Dave? Hustler. Um, I learned from Dave. I learned from East to not uh, to not get too caught up on yesterday, in the sense that, you know, I saw East take off. Like me and East knew each other since 2013, right as his journey started, and um, as he was ascending, I would see he would have these huge moments, but then like the next day. He'd be fully dressed in a brand new outfit, doing something else crazy. It was like he would almost forget yesterday, where I was still in the mindset of, oh, I had a win yesterday. Let me rest on that for four or five days. He wouldn't rest on his wins. He would just keep going. And so I learned that. And I said, oh, you know, that, that really helped me. Um, that really helped me a lot. How about, how about a G Herbo? What did you learn from G? Man. And just uh, grinding and, and persistence, too. Like, I went on tour with Herbo in 2016. And I just saw, you know, just his grind. Like, he just stays committed. You know, this is, what, seven years later. And drops albums persistently every year. Just, you know, I look at people with persistence and yep. commitment. Well, if I asked both of them the same thing, what would they say about you? What did they learn from you? Um, I don't know if they learned anything from me. You know, hopefully they did, but, uh, you know, I, I, those are kind of like the big homies in rap, you know, so they, they were all before me, but I think what they would see in me is definitely, um, persistence and commitment too. So what's, what's next? What's going on this summer? What's going on the rest of the year? You got Blanco six out. What's next? Yeah, we, we got tour. So I'm, I'm touring, uh, I'm touring the nation then I'm touring Canada, but, uh, you know, Boston, House of Blues sold out in 10 days. It's awesome. Philadelphia sold out. New York selling out. Um, you know, all my East Coast dates selling out fast. My West Coast dates, tickets are flying. And I'm going to try, I just dropped the album, so I'm going to try to double back. You know, I want to I wanna drop two albums in the same calendar year. You feel me? Does it, does it feel, you, you know, does it feel... Does it still feel great to know I'm sold out, I'm sold out, I'm sold out, like that shit's happening all the time now? Hell yeah. You think it'll, I, ever, you think it'll ever get old? Never, because I've been doing this too long. I've been waiting for this. Like, you know, I remember I was just in a room an hour before this. I was just with Kevin Hart, and he came up to me and said, yo, I'm a fan of your music, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw you on Gilly's page, so... You know, before these were like, and this is happening like on the daily now. I'm not saying Kevin Hart, but just people that you no, know. No, they know. 
that I admire, that they inspire me saying, you know, it's mutual. So I can never get uh, used to that. What scares you? Failing. Yeah, yeah. Completely. Does it feel, yeah. I have, it just about me, I have a sense it's all going to go away. It's all going to go away. Yeah. Can you relate to that? So, like, you're, are you, like, neurotic in a sense? Like, you get uh, super anxious about making sure that you're on top of your game at all times? It, it, it's more, you know, when good things happen, I don't hold on to it. I'm, I, I got to make the next good thing happen. I got to make the next good thing happen because it already happened. It's too late. I got to keep going. I'm, I got to keep going. I'm like that, bro. I understand because I've, I've had those highs and I've, I've, I've stayed on those highs for like two weeks and then realized, oh my God, like it's over. I should have capitalized right there. So yeah, I'm very much like that, bro. I feel, I told somebody the other day that if I was to stop grinding and stop um, putting in the work at the level that I put it in at, you know, in six months, I feel like all oh, this could be gone yep. in the way that the rap game is going. Yep. You know, I, you so know, my goal is to outwork. Like, I'm still a, I'm all over a billboard right now for my album, but I'm still letting freestyles go. Yep. I'm still, you know, moving and grooving. And um, yeah, bro, I got to, I got to panic. I start, I start to panic because I'm correct. like, I, this can't I'm work too hard. I, I, I tell Ross all the time, I'll set, He'll send me something, something great happened. And my response is, okay, when good things happen, you got to go harder now. You got to go harder now. You got to go harder now. You right. got to. Yeah. Nah, for real. You really got to turn it up. And that's when you become a winner. When you start to get momentum, and that's when you go for that's more right. momentum. And, and that's I've, seen right. it, I've seen it happen in people's rises. Like, you know, even from like, I remember seeing Cardi B, like, just go or just, uh, Different, different artists that I know. It's almost, you make me think, because you make me think of like boxing, you know? It, it, once you see him going, you gotta go, you gotta get that last one in to make sure. You have to. Did you did you ever read The Tipping Point? Oh God, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, so, so you know, for people who don't know what The Tipping Point is, you, you struggle to get up that hill, but once you get up the hill, you're either gonna roll back and fall off, or you're gonna snowball effect. Correct. And so, you know, I'm always trying to snowball Correct. effect. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Millie, I love it. I love talking to you. I, I, I you're an inspiration. I, I think your 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 analogy of uh, it's like it's like uh, roller skating uphill is uh, is something we can all anybody who's had success should be able to relate to because yeah. that's what it feels like. Yeah. But I, I love it. We're a supporter of you. Anything we can do, please ask. Kill it on tour. Keep dropping tapes. Keep keep. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep drinking Bel Air. Keep drinking Bel Air. No, right? you know what I'm really drinking though. I'm drinking this oh, right you here. You like that? You like the McQueen, the ultraviolet? Yeah, that's that. That's my twist. I'm a I'm a gin guy, gin and rum. Love it, love it, love it. So keep drinking, keep drinking UV. All right. For sure. All my love, love my friend. Keep kicking ass. Thank you, everybody. Self-made. Thank you, Millie. Appreciate yeah. it. Salute.